Hello, I'm Harriet Smith and welcome back to Dietitian Cafe where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. In this Nutrition Professional of the Month episode, I'm joined by a nutrition and dietetic duo who both work within the Secure Inpatient Service at Rosebury Park Hospital in Middlesbrough in the northeast of England. This is part of the Tees, Esk and Weir Valleys NHS Foundation Trust. They reached out to the Dietitian Cafe podcast as they wanted to come on and express the benefits that a registered associate nutritionist and a registered dietitian can bring to a secure inpatient setting, as well as reducing stigma about working in this area. We hope that you find this an interesting and engaging episode. We hope you enjoy it. Sophie Farrer is a nutritionist working within the secure inpatient service at Rosemary Park Hospital. She works on wards with patients who have learning disabilities autism and mental health conditions. This is her first year in the role since graduating from Sheffield Hallam University as a registered associate nutritionist. We're also joined by Dale Crooks. Dale is a lead dietitian for the Secure Inpatient Service at Rosebury Park Hospital. Her role involves managing the dietetic team as well as the clinical work with low and medium secure service users, including those with extremely complex mental health issues, learning disabilities and autism. Hello to you both and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Hi Harriet. So let's dive straight on in Sophie. I'd like to ask you first of all, can you tell me a bit more about your role as a nutritionist in a secure inpatient setting and what does it involve? Yes, so as a nutritionist it is my responsibility to provide personalised evidence-based nutritional advice uh, to improve overall health and well-being through encouraging healthy lifestyle changes. Um, I currently have around 40 uh, patients on my caseload, both of which male, male and female. Um, obviously, like you said, they they have learned disabilities, autism and mental health illnesses, um, and they are situated on both low and medium secure services, uh, secure wards. I support the service users in both an individual and group basis, covering predominantly weight management strategies and nutrient requirements. For example, I have a weight management group called LEAN, which stands for Lifestyle, Energy, Activity and Nutrition. Um, and this is normally a 12-week programme, which I engage service users on different weight management strategies um, that they could take onto the wards and implement into the lifestyles. So the main focus of these sessions is to ensure that individual nutritional goals are created to achieve and maintain a healthy weight and an opt optimal nutritional status. Furthermore, I do quite a lot of menu development for both the on-site supplier and the cafe to ensure compliance to the sequin targets. Uh, sequin stands for Commissioning for Quality and Innovation Payment Framework, uh, which was first introduced in 2009. So sequin is a contractual requirement which allows the trust to potentially access 2.5% of the additional fundings which supports clinical services to develop and improve the quality of the service we provide. The sequin is made up of uh, targets and milestones which aim to, which aim to achieve across the year. Um, as in a dietetic team, we look to improve on the menus to help provide healthier lifestyles for the both, like I said, patients and, um, and staff. So some ways we do this is including and developing the menus to reduce the sugar, reduce the salt and the saturated fat content in the products. Um, as, as well as this, we look at traffic lights, labeling, health promotion displays and resources, uh, which are currently being encouraged across the site. 
And Dale, can you tell us more about your role and what that entails? Yeah, so my my role is is very much a typical dietitian. Um, we get to analyze and assess nutritional needs. We get to make diagnoses and I get to, to put plans in place to be able to keep the service users safe. Um, we are making sure that we are involved in many projects, including things as Sophie's previously mentioned around the sequin. Um, my role in that was to make sure that we had pathways in place to be able to make sure that we're looking at physical health, we're looking at exercise, we're looking at nutrition, we're looking at everything as a, as a package to try and make sure that service users are able to maintain a healthy weight in the securing patient service. Um, we look at severely complex nutritional needs which have come from things such as um, antipsychotic medications, we look at their bloods, we make sure that everything's on right track to keep them nutritionally stable. Um, and my role in, as from a clinical lead point of view is I manage the dietetic team to make sure that we're all safe and we're keeping the service users safe and that everybody's well-being is okay um, and try to, try to develop the service as best as we can. Great, and we'll talk more later in the podcast about how you, you look after the well-being of your own staff within a secure inpatient setting. Before we come on to that, I wanted to know a bit more about how you both ended up working in this area, which may be relatively unknown to some of our listeners. Sophie, can you tell me how you ended up working in this area? Yeah, so during my mid to late teens, I always knew I wanted to pursue a career in uh, nutrition, although I wasn't really aware of the different career paths that were available at the time. Um, so I'd done a bit of research into this and found a couple of universities which sounded like had really good courses, but it was right, really good cities as well to go to. Um, so that's when I decided to study nutrition, diet and lifestyle at Sheffield Hallam, uh, which was a three year course. Um, I graduated in November 2019, um, but once I'd finished my final year of university, I wasn't really sure which path I wanted to go down because it, there is a couple of different routes that you can go down, for example, animal nutrition, food nutrition, sport nutrition, um, but as well as looking for jobs that were out there at the time. So I thought I'd get some work experience before I start applying. So I started doing work experience with Wellbeing for Life, which is a service delivered by the County Durham and Darlington NHS Trust. And I use my knowledge from my degree to um, help people in the community with um, healthy eating um, and other, other balanced choices, which could help improve their lifestyle as a whole. Um, I used some goal setting techniques as well, um, which worked quite well because it was it was quite a similar situation to what I've discussed with the lean group. So it was like a 12 week course, um, which we visited the, the people in the community and offered our input as to what their goals were. And then in January, 2020, I started in my current role as a band five nutritionist within secure inpatient services. Brilliant. So you're, you're coming up to one year now in your new role, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's just past one year, so. Congratulations. Thank you. And Dale, how have you ended up working in this area of dietetics? So my training started out pretty similar to Sophie's. I knew that I always wanted to be a dietitian. Um, I unfortunately didn't uh, 
grasp chemistry at your level quite as well as some people may have. Uh, so I went on to do a nutrition degree um, at Leeds and once I'd graduated from there, I started applying for postgrad and undergrad courses. Um, and I got onto the undergrad course at Coventry University in 2012 and graduated from there in 2016. Um, I had always had in, an interest in mental health and I'd always found it absolutely fascinating and how it can impact so greatly on your on your nutritional status um I then worked at a physical health hospital doing a rotation to try and make sure that my acute skills were up to scratch and made sure that I was I was doing everything I could to be able to develop my skills and my knowledge and after a year of working there I um came over to the secure inpatient service and have over the last four years have been able to develop and um, progress from a band five now into the clinical lead role. Brilliant, congratulations to you both. Um, I'm just wondering if you can perhaps talk us through what a typical day at work might look like for you because some, some of our um, listeners may not be familiar with the sorts of roles involved in a secure inpatient setting. So Sophie, could you, could you tell us what a typical day at work looks like for you? Uh, yeah, so normally I start my day, um, obviously because it's a bit early, try and wake myself up <laughs> by checking through some emails um, and seeing if there's any been any referrals uh, over the past couple of days that I need to be picked up on. Um, but once I've sorted that, I normally try and get my diary right so I've got an equal amount of patient, service user, um, cooperation, as well as attended meetings so there's no overlaps during the day. Um, it's normally split between 8% patient-focused work, um, which generally includes one-to-ones, weight management groups, uh, developing and adjusting service users' dietary plans and other service development or, or notes that just need writing up. Um, the other 20% includes system-level work, such as service user-focused meetings, report writing team meetings, team development meetings, um, and any nutritional analysis that needs doing for both service users and, like I said before, the cafe or um, our outside group that provide the meals for uh, the service. Normally, I would see service users in the morning to try and ensure that I don't have loads of notes to write up late on an afternoon. Um, but yeah, that's generally how my day is set out. Brilliant. And Dale, what does a typical day at work look like for you? So it, it it can be fairly similar to Sophie's, apart from the fact that I have a 70-30 split, so 70% patient contact um, alongside, which also includes a lot of the patient meetings. Um, we have to do um, care planning and all of those things within that time, and then I have a 30% uh, 30% of my week is then spent on service development and management of the team. Um, and making sure that they feel supported. Um, I think the the basic setup of how Sophie was was um, explaining earlier. It, so my day usually starts with checking my, checking the referrals, making sure that the priorities are uh, are being made a priority, and every everything's being done um, effectively and in a lean way. We're working to to make sure that we have no 
um, overlap, like Sophie said, we're trying to make sure that we are on the ball and trying to make sure that our patients are seen, seen within a timely manner. Um, and yeah, and a lot of the time we end up spending some, well, some of my 30% again is spent doing the sequel work um, to try and make sure that we are progressing the whole service rather than just the dietetic team. Um, because our service, like we say, are trying to achieve all of the, the targets and guidance from, from that have been set by the, the uh, commissioners. And what else we need to do is make sure that we are implementing the uh, Santi nutritional screening tool as well. So I'm, I'm in the middle of setting that up and, and getting that rolled it's been rolling for about a year but we're trying to really really um crack down and get it get it done so that it's just second nature for the staff on the wards to be able to complete those as well and in, in a moment dale I'll, I'll come on to ask you a bit more about the sorts of dietetic support and advice that you're giving to your patients in this setting just before i do um sophia i'd love to know what you most enjoy about your job in a secure inpatient setting so I do thoroughly enjoy my job. Uh, the majority of the time is spent engaging with service users on a one-to-one -one basis, like I previously said in the last question. And this provides me with the opportunity to undertake direct work with a variety of service users who have different diagnoses and associated issues, whether it be mental health, learning disabilities or autism. Uh, due to my time spent engaging with one-to-ones, this provides a greater opportunity to help understand their mental health issues and previous trauma. Uh, which can take up a, a whole new chapter of my role as a nutritionist. Um, I do enjoy, obviously, that every day is different. There's not really a day that goes by that's the same. Um, and there are undoubtedly ups and downs, but overall, I feel like I'm making a difference, even though sometimes it isn't always straight away, and it's quite a small difference as well. And although I enjoy working as a within the dietetic team, I'm also quite grateful to be as part of the multidisciplinary team, whether this be on the wards or during patient focus meetings. This has enabled me to gain an insight of a variety of mental health issues, um, which in turn has helped to develop my role within the service. For example, working closely with psychologists to develop risk formulations and plans to maintain safety while they're in hospital. It's also rewarding seeing the service users progress through the pathway and um, into the community to live independent lives, especially if uh, they've been through quite a difficult journey. Um, it's always quite pleasing to see that. Absolutely. Um, and really interesting what you said about the multidisciplinary team. I imagine for both of you, you're, you're probably closely involved with other allied healthcare professionals. Is that right, Dale? Yeah, so we spend an awful lot of time working with other professionals such as like psychology, the psychiatrists, OT, speech and language therapy therapists, and also uh, social workers. So our our immediate team, we are the allied healthcare professional team, and we work really closely and do joint plans on a regular basis. Absolutely, and I'm sure that supportive um, community is really important for your own development and well-being as practitioners. Dale, what do you most enjoy about your job? It's going to sound really corny, but I absolutely love being able to get to know my patients um, in the way that I've been able to over the last four years. Due to the environment that they're in, um, 
on average, our service users are usually here for at least four years. Um, therefore, I get to understand their needs. I get their treatment becomes so patient focused. Um, and it's a journey between themselves and the healthcare professionals for them to be able to develop, focus on their mental health, but also their physical health. Um, I also like to know, I, I, I would love for people to realise that not that there are no two patients that are the same in this service. Um, every day is totally different. We see different patients and and because of their trauma and their previous medical history or their pasts, then it even if they have the same physical health condition, the way that they can deal with it or the way that they can express their their needs to be met is completely different. So it's it's making sure that we're able to use the different communication styles that we've been able to develop um, to be able to use a patient for patient-focused solution to be able to help them solve their own problems. But it's making sure that the patients are in, in control as much as possible as well and, and being the least restrictive we possibly can be. Um, like Sophie said, we work extremely close with a much wider MDT and that leads you into learning the different roles that, that matter within the service. And it means that we're able to do joint work with people like speech and language therapists around dysphagia plans and making sure that their dysphagia plans are nutritionally adequate and that we're making sure that if they have any physical health illnesses that we're able to do that with maybe the physios or the OTs or the, or the doctors or the physical health team. Um, and the other side of my job as well, I, I absolutely love being part of a wider clinical lead team who are there for support. And, and we are an extremely large mental health trust and we have one of the largest dietetic teams in 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 most mental health trusts across the UK and I think bearing in mind we we are all vastly spread across the country we're quite a close team and from the from the clinical lead team we see each other on a regular basis to be able to keep in touch and to be able to develop our our CPD. Dale going back to what you mentioned earlier um spending time with patients do you think that you get to spend more time with patients in a secure inpatient setting compared to perhaps a, a dietitian working in an acute hospital? Hi, yeah, I think from working across both, I, I've definitely seen a huge difference. Um, in, a, in a physical health hospital, you sometimes are on a very tight time schedule. You, you've got 15, 20 minutes to see your patients and write your notes up. And if you're in clinics, it's it's it can be very, very stretched to be able to get everything done in the timescales that you've been being given. I personally can spend an hour to two hours sometimes with patients. It, it's very dependent on what their need is. So I can spend as long or as little as needed with the patients and it can really develop the therapeutic relationship, which is, is essential in this service. So to answer that question so in a simpler way yeah we get to spend a lot more time with our service users and and it it can it can lead to a much more meaningful interaction and that leads me on to my next question to you Dale which is can you tell us more about the role of a dietitian a dietitian within a forensic setting what sorts of reasons are you seeing patients for and what sort of dietetic advice are you giving to patients within this setting that you're working within so I can see a range of different um, 
nutritional needs. So we have weight management, we have refeeding syndrome, we have restricted diets, we have people who are coming in from prisons who are um, on hunger strikes. So we have to think of all of the refeeding syndrome um, issues there. We look at diabetes, we, we can see cardiovascular disease, any bowel, chronic bowel diseases. We also have quite a few allergies and um, intolerances. And we see a lot of dysphagia in our service because of some of the medications can have those long-term side effects. Um, and they can also have really, really long-term side effects and can cause other physical health issues such as strokes and more CBD. Um, we also work um, alongside some of the oncology teams at the acute physical health hospital because we we we've we have seen an in, increase in in um, cancers due to the fact that our services are here for a prolonged period of time and actually some of some of them are here for into their into their later days so we see a lot of elderly care and, and end of life as well absolutely um and Sophie, I, I just wanted to ask you on this similar topic, how does your role complement the role of a dietitian um, and what additional benefits do you feel the registered associate nutritionist can bring to a secure inpatient setting? I think for both of us, it was a bit of a, a change, um, but unfortunately my degree didn't include a placement year, so I wasn't really sure what to expect um, as a registered associate nutritionist. Uh, I have noticed that there is many so similarities between our roles, although there are also differences between our work and the registration requirements for each profession. But as a nutritionist, I'm qualified to give evidence-based advice to service users with pre-existing medical conditions. So, for example, type 2 diabetes, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, whereas di dietitians are qualified to regulate health professional with assessing, diagnosing and treating dietary and nutritional problems. There are times when we do have the service user, both on our caseloads, which is usually as a result of two separate referrals. For example, a nutritionist, I generally get service users for weight management, but during this time, they can also have a, a recent diagnosis, which is quite complex, which is where Dale takes over and um, offers her knowledge around that um, and this is where we kind of support each other and work collaboratively ensuring the service users receive the best treatment uh, they can but having a nutritionist allows a dietitian to also focus on the more complex services like I've just said while maintaining a high level of nutrition-based support during that time. Further to this I suppose we have noticed um, that the nutrition degree focuses more on vitamins and minerals which are all really important to the service users within this service, especially vitamin D. And given the increased incidence of vitamin D deficiencies in patients with serious mental health conditions, um, and this is also coupled with the fact that they don't really get off the ward much, so their sunlight exposure is minimal, and, and this could lead to lifelong physical health issues. Therefore, this is why uh, this is why the requirement in this service is that the vitamin D supplements are really important um, to ensure that they're, they're meeting the recommendations and remain healthy during the time in hospital. I also tend to do a lot of work around nutritional analysis, 
using the Nutritic software, whether this be for a specific service user or the hospital menus or the cafe that I work alongside. And this is something I do quite enjoy and, and I can share this information, depending on the reason why I'm doing it, but I can share this information with Dale who can then accurately calculate the individual's nutritional requirements. And I suppose working together there and our roles do differ, but we do work quite closely alongside each other. Um, and then we can offer the relevant advice and support. And sometimes this, as Dale said earlier, this does lead to dietary plans. Can I just add there that it, it just brings a beautiful skill mix um, within within the team where we're able to complement each other's um skills so sophie sometimes has better skills in certain areas than i do and, and we complement things we complement each other quite nicely absolutely and I'm, I'm really curious to hear is this relatively uncommon that you have a registered associate nutritionist working within a, a dietetic team gail or is it dale is it something you've come across before um i've come across it before but i do think it is quite um unique i find i think within tzask and we Valley, we are the first team to have it um and we are extremely passionate about the skill mix and and how amazing it is to have both roles in one team because actually it means that we are able to like sophie said give the best treatment to our patients that we can and it's the most appropriate professional being able to give that advice at the time definitely and hopefully raising awareness of the benefits that, that it brings to the team you know such as on this podcast will really help to share best practice amongst the profession that's what we're hoping so Dale, I'm keen to hear more about um, some of the key considerations that you take into account when you're doing a dietetic consultation with a, a secure inpatient service user. So perhaps you could talk us through the dietetic care process in terms of the ABCDE format um, and, and just highlight some of the considerations that, that you might have in the back of your mind. Yeah, so uh, I've, I've kind of already said it throughout the throughout the podcast already. It would be very, very similar um, things that we're looking for that any dietitian would be in the uh, ABCD, ABCD dietetic care process. So in anthropometrics, we'd be looking for height, weight, BMI, weight change, and we'd also be looking for a sanity score. So whether somebody's nutritional risk was high, medium or low, um, and whether they're weight gain or weight loss percentage was a high risk medium risk or low risk as well because that depends on the intervention that will be put in place um we look at the biochemistry so we would look at bloods depending on their clinical need we would be trying to make sure that um we're checking on their user needs their their lipid profile all of the different bits and pieces that most dietitians check on a daily basis um, but we would also be looking at um, blood associated with medications. So we would be looking at to see whether um, whether any psychotic medications had raised any blood profiles or anything like that as well. And um, we but we would be doing that alongside the psychiatrists and, and the physical health team. Um, so I think because we aren't the leading professionals in looking at those blood results we do work quite closely with those other professionals um 
we for the clinical we would always look at the previous medical history family history current issues and um, mental health diagnosis we would also look at their trauma history because somebody's trauma may lead to significant deterioration with their mental health but also with their physical health and um, we would also look at previous admissions to services so whether they were a re- a uh, frequent admission to maybe adult mental health services prior to coming into into these services. I would try to get information from GPs or from from services that they've been in before. Um, and I would also look at formulations and their risks as well, because obviously working in a secure inpatient service, we are aware of our service users' risks. And as long as we're aware of them and we're taking them into consideration when doing plans, then we are going to be able to to make sure that we we keep everything within within regulations of the of the service as well. So some of our service users have access to kitchens so they can prepare their own food, others don't. Some some service users have unescorted leave to go and be able to buy um groceries from shops or be able to get ingredients that they need for recipes so we could do those kind of things as well so it's it's understanding their risks and what what's safe for them to do and what's safe for us to do with the service users as well um dietary obviously i would always be looking at their nutritional requirements and whether they're meeting them or not by doing food diaries and making sure that we're analyzing those making sure that we look at fluid charts that we look at the current diet ask what their usual diet is whether this changes um if they were in hospital or out of hospital um and i think all of the same things that we'll be looking at if we were in an acute physical health hospital as well and again the environment we will be looking at leaves and we will be looking at kitchen access and access to different things whether families are able to bring things in for them so be able to get ingredients brought in or um and and physical activity leave as well so how we can work with the OT team and physio to be able to get exercise and activity um prescribed for service users as well Absolutely. So from what you said, a lot of that information gathering, um, you'll draw on information from the MDT as well. It's really important um, part of the the dietetic care process. Is that right? Yeah, we like I say, we work as a huge MDT and we are an integral part of that MDT alongside every other professional who works within the secure inpatient service. We, We all work together to try and make sure that the treatment for the service user is holistic but also trying to make sure that it's appropriate depending on their their current stage of their mental health but also being able to ensure that we are looking at physical health just as much as we are looking at their mental health as well. And is the service user often involved in that information gathering process um, or do you sometimes have to to go to for example carers or relatives to get that information? Um, most of our services are very forthcoming with information, to be honest. We we find that um, they're quite happy to share information. And if they are unable to give us that information, then we would need consent to ask to, to speak with carers and, and families and GPs and things. But they're usually quite open with, with allowing us those, those kind of avenues as well. Brilliant. Sophie, I have a question for you. Um, 
I think there may be a, perhaps a bit of a, um, a stigma about working in this area of forensics and mental health. I wonder what your thoughts are on this and if there's anything that we could be doing um, within the profession to address this stigma? Yeah, I suppose there is a stigma with regards to securing patient services uh, due to the fact there's a double stigmatisation with um, linking to the mental health issues and their previous offence. I guess some of the things that we what we could do as a profession to address the stigmas is knowing the knowing and passing on the facts so raising awareness and increasing educational opportunities focusing on mental health issues and substance use disorders and i think there's a lot of information out there that isn't correct so it's important that we challenge this and to make sure that people are aware of what it actually is like and what it's what it's not made out to be if you get what i mean so as well as this like the podcast so complementing things uh, about other roles as well as dietetic roles. So there's different roles within the secure inpatient service that could maybe offer a podcast as well, just to get their perspective of things. Because from what we only really go on the wards for about an hour or two at a time, but it might be different uh, from a nursing point of view or a doctor point of view. And live talks and questions on our forums. So whether this be for the BDA or the AFN, and I suppose raising awareness on there to make sure that people are aware of the types of things that the secure inpatient service can offer and in how our roles differ. And Dale, do you think there's more that we could be doing within the dietetic profession to reduce the stigma and raise awareness of, of the um, opportunities available to dietitians? Yeah, I definitely think there is. Um, from my point of view at university, there, there wasn't much of the syllabus that was around mental health, we had very limited access to that. And um, so I think teaching in universities, we could get more mental health in, like integrated into the into the syllabus that's there. Um, and I think that would have a huge impact on on students understanding and having less of a stigma, which they could then help raise the the profile, but also help reduce the stigma in general around working in mental health, working in a secure inpatient service, um, and all of those those kinds of areas. So um, I think universities have a big part to play, but I also think using things like Sophie said, like the British Dietetics Association or the mental health subgroup, um, all of the types of things that we can get the information out there to people to be able to to like Sophie said again give the correct information rather than people listening to the media and reading what is in the in, in newspapers and, and taking that as gospel truth because sometimes those those outlets have never actually been inside a secure inpatient service um, and and they're assuming what it will be like whereas if you if you hear it from people like Sophie and I then we where we 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 see it firsthand every single day and it's it's nothing like what people probably would expect. Dale I'm interested to hear do you have placement students come to your hospital or is that not possible given the nature of the work? Yeah we do we just risk assess it so service users are always given a choice um, service users students are always given a choice um, we have 
we, we actually have a student coming in February to do a 13-week placement, so we're quite excited about that. We tend to take students from um, more northeast universities um, due to the fact that they're, they're more local. Um, but I do think it would, it would massively benefit other areas of the country by if they have a big enough team to be able to do do um, student placements. It is challenging and it, it requires a lot of um, wellbeing checks and it also support and supervision. Um, but actually, if you're able to give that time, I personally think it's a really fabulous placement to be able to offer people. Definitely. I would have loved to have worked in that sort of setting for my placements. Um, and I think universities are actually broadening the placement opportunities that they're offering to students now. So hopefully in the future, we'll see more of these sorts of placement opportunities available. I'm hoping so. So Dale, um, just wanted to ask you as well, how is staff safety and well-being prioritised in a forensic setting? I think this will probably be a, a, a burning question for a lot of our listeners at the moment. So within TESESC and Weir Valley, as a as a trust, we take well-being of our staff extremely serious. We make sure that we have a huge array of different options for people to undertake, such as things like um, mindfulness sessions, counselling sessions. We we have a huge emphasis on staff keeping themselves well um it's something that's integrated into our um trust values which means that we try to everybody who is working within the trust should be trying to look out for their own and their their colleagues well-being um we are very very aware that we work in quite a challenging service and can hear some very challenging and, and sometimes traumatic things um, which can impact staff in in a way that they may never have imagined. So it could even be something that is, is small to one person but could be massively significant to another. So it's making sure that we're using the the well-being days, the supervisions, all of all of the staff support systems that we have in place within the trust, um, and within secure inpatient services, I think the well-being and safety of staff is hugely um, looked after because we we have alarms and we have keys and we have those on us at all times whilst we're in the perimeter. Um, so we have a security team and a um, response team every single day allocated so that if, if there's anything goes wrong within the secure room patient service, a team of people are there on hand to help put those situations correct, to correct those situations. Absolutely. And Sophie, um, you've been working at the, the Trust for a year now, so do you have anything to add on that topic? No, no. Um... That's probably about it, but obviously you've got to keep an eye on like well-being, especially during like the COVID nineteen outbreak. It's had massive impacts on uh, staff, so obviously attending supervisions and getting any further support by doing well-being days or mindfulness, and even like doing exercise and stuff like that just helps keep you going a bit and looking forward to things in the future, I suppose. 
What would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you face in your job, Sophie? Um, so one of the main things is the fact that obviously I do see quite a lot of patients who are who have been referred for weight management, um, and this is there's about ninety percent of the service users who are either overweight or obese, which is a huge concern considering the physical health issues associated with having an unhealthy diet and excess body fat. So it is obviously well known that Dale said earlier about the antipsychotic medication, um, and this can have a massive impact on the service user's weight, causing rapid weight gain. Um, but it's also reported that they do tend to increase hunger and cravings for sugary foods, um, as well as reducing satiety. So this is coupled, obviously, with the lifestyle factors. So they do spend a lot of time sitting, watching TV, um, playing games, consoles, playing cards, playing uh, board games, um, as well as the poor diets that a lot of them do tend to have um, with excess consumption of sugary foods as well as takeaways um, but obviously with the low physical activity this does lead to weight gain um, in the end although despite having the support available as well some of the service users do make it quite difficult to engage in weight management um, activities so this may be linked to their risks and it's important to be resilient with these service users um, and I've learned that it does take time to build positive supportive relationships with them because they tend to not trust many people. Um, but I think going back to them and making sure that they know that you're there for support does help um, building this relationship and being consistent and persevering with them is the mo one of the most important things. Definitely. And do you collect any outcome data from your service users or do you get feedback from your service users, for example, to, to sort of evaluate the um, impact that your nutrition and dietetic services are having on them? Yeah. So like with regard to the outcome data, we recently completed a piece of research which looked at the effects of the first lockdown um, due to the COVID-19 outbreak on the BMIs in secure inpatient service. So we had some quite positive results um, from the from what we collected and 39.5% of service users reduced their weight during the first lockdown, which is quite, although it doesn't sound like a high number, but it is quite impressive considering the what lockdown was basically just staying in and watching TV. Um, but this weight loss was linked to the following reasons that we found that we collected from different wards. So whether it was reducing takeaway consumption, increasing um, ward exercises. So there was one ward that implemented move and groove, uh, cycling challenges, and well, as well as these, they were unable to access the unhealthy snacks that are provided. Um, but it is important to consider that during this time, all leaves and visits were cancelled to and from the hospital, which obviously would have had an impact on their mental health, um, but as well as physical health, because they weren't really getting out and doing the walk and that they're normally doing, like walking backwards and forwards to the shop rather than getting taxis. Um, but I think the data collection was quite helpful for us to recognize that, yes, there was an impact during lockdown, but there was a positive one as well. Um, but we've been able to use these ideas that were implemented during lockdown and we've continued using them which is the most important thing and um, which hopefully will lead to a greater weight loss in the future 
can I just add that as well that we're um we're going to be implementing the Tom's um outcome measures as well, but putting it from a patient perspective. So patients are going to set their own um smart goals and things like that at the start of any treatment and then we're going to reassess them at the end and ask for evaluations as well. That's part of our new service development and trying to make sure that we are we are collecting more data around patient experience as well as um hard evidence that the service that the that the dietetic service is making a difference. Definitely. It's really interesting to hear about the impact that lockdown has, has had on your, your service users as well, because obviously we're recording this in January and we're in the midst of our second or for some people third lockdown. Um, and I know that both Dale and Sophie, you've, you've been particularly busy in recent weeks. Um, have you been redeployed to acute settings or, or is, is it still within the secure inpatient service? We've we've been deployed back to the wards as part of business continuity planning and um, to make sure that the wards are safely staffed um, within the secure inpatient service. Um, we are still able to complete dietetic work whilst on the wards if if time allows, um, and to try and give to to continue to build the therapeutic relationships that we have with service users. Um, it might sound to some people that um, we're not able to do as much dietetics as what we want to, which is probably a fair thing to say, but actually what we we are finding so many positives of being able to learn more about our service users and try to engage them in different ways so that actually they're, we're building trust and we're, we're trying to make sure that once we're able to do therapy again, that they, they are then going to be on board and want to engage more. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Just before we finish this podcast, I wondered if both of you have any tips for um, dietitians or nutritionists who are listening to this podcast who are interested in working in forensics or a secure inpatient setting. Dale, do you have any advice to them? I think joining the mental health um, group as part of the BDA was massively helpful for me because I think that that is such a supportive group and it gives you information around lots of mental health services. But also there are quite a few... Um, secure service dietitians in as part of that group as well where you can ask for advice there's also the national um forensic dietetic forum as well which is is amazing and you can join as part of that and um, we were able to meet on a quite a regular basis to be able to to share ideas and to be able to ask questions and things like that. So if people are interested in that this line of work, it's something that is absolutely going to be encouraged by any mental health dietitian. Thank you, Dale. Sophie, do you have any advice to offer? Uh, yeah, definitely advise people to step out of the comfort zones if it is something that you in, you are interested in. And then perhaps look at the career aspects within this area. Um, as well during your time study and explore the different options for placements um because you, you don't know until you experience it like i said earlier on in the podcast that like, there is quite a lot of conflict and information out there so until you experience it then you, you can't say that's true or not um, and do some background reading but make sure it is 
relevant to the service and make sure it is um, like NHS or something along the lines and contact staff who do work there because then you get you get the you get like the understanding of what it actually is like um answer any questions ask questions and queries um, I'm sure people will be fine with that um, in shadowing opportunities I suppose like with shadowing then you get to step back from the situation but analyze it as well so you can see what it is actually is like rather than maybe just reading something or um yeah something like that yeah brilliant and we will also link to your trust in the show notes so if people are interested they can go and have a look and, and read a bit more about um what what this area entails so thank you very much both of you for your time today and thank you to our listeners for tuning in our next episode of dietitian cafe will be coming very soon thanks harriet thank you.